I just texted you. Okay. I got all that. And okay. I heard the last thing you said so clearly. <laughs> okay. So I'll something soon. <laughs> okay. I tried to keep Cookie out and now she's whining. So hopefully she gets over it and it doesn't show up on the recording. <laughs> the dog cat episode. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I can hear you all clearly now. Sorry. Okay, I'm having some technical difficulties today. Hi. Hi. Hello. 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 Hi. Uh, I don't think there's any way to mute myself on Anchor, is there? No. You just have to be quiet the whole time, basically. Okay. I hope that that works out fine. Welcome to Exchanges. A collection of conversation exchanges presented by the LGBTQ plus Youth Exchange for Change, exploring the truths, resiliency, and leadership of LGBTQ plus youth nationwide. I am Sheer Avery, a Black and Indigenous non-binary trans femme, creative visionary, published researcher, social justice advocate, and director of the LGBTQ plus Youth Exchange for Change, a national partnership between Lambda Legal and Baker McKenzie, sponsored by Warner Media. And I'm Elliot Hinkle, a transmasculine non-binary person and a former foster youth who grew up in the Wyoming foster care system and now advocates for youth in the child welfare system, young adult mental health needs and wellness, and the LGBTQ community. I'm based in Portland, Oregon as the Youth and Young Adult Coordinator for Oregon Healthy Transitions at Portland State University. Join Sheer and I in thought-provoking exchanges between young leaders, social justice advocates, pioneering researchers, business innovators, corporate allies, and media storytellers. Tune in, follow along, and join us in our change-making journey. To learn more, visit exchangeforchange.org and follow us on Twitter using the handle at LGBTQ Youth Exchange with an X and Instagram at Queer Youth Exchange with an X. So Timber, who who is Timber? Tell us a little bit about who Timber is. Uh, Timber is an artist and youth worker. Uh, pronouns they use are they and she. Uh, they were born and they were born in Florida, raised in rural Oklahoma, um, and now reside in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hi, Terry. Tell us about all that Terry is. Who's Terry? Uh, I am um, a former foster youth, uh, a Navy veteran, uh, LGBTQ advocate um, from Boise, Idaho. I am 31. And I just recently graduated in May from Boise State with my bachelor's in social work. And I am now a safety assessor in child welfare for Idaho. And that is a little bit about me. I love that. You see, that wasn't so bad. (laughs) Tristan, who is Tristan? (laughs) Um, I (laughs) am a Las Vegas native. And um, I've lived here pretty much my whole life. Uh, I was also in the foster care system for about nine months when I turned 15 after I came out um, and had not so good of a reaction from my family. Um, And after my experience in the foster care system, I decided that I didn't want anyone else to follow in my footsteps of having to deal with what I dealt with. And so I talked to a bunch of nonprofit groups. I talked to Nevada policymakers and got AB 99 enacted. And that is uh, a bill that was passed bipartisanly to protect LGBTQ and two-spirit youth that are in care because um, there were not protections before. So it, it definitely uh, has added some measures to, to be preventative and proactive instead of just kind of reactionary to dealing with with incidents that occur and that's um that's me great thank you Mm. 
So we are gathering just a week before the Christmas holiday, and this episode will conclude our first season of Exchanges. Woohoo! As we head into the holidays, I wanted to chat with you all about holiday cheer and what the holidays mean for LGBTQ young people um, at various intersections. And so let's begin today's exchange with learning about how you all celebrate the holidays. So I'm not a big fan of the outdoors <laughs> during the winter time. Well, it's cold. In the heat, I love it. And even in the fall, I can play with it. But once it gets too cold, I'm definitely like an indoors person. So during the holidays, I really love to craft. Um, I really love painting um, the the baking of... What, what have I baked? I love a good banana nut muffin. Um yeah, I just really love doing things indoors. So that turns into like a lot of DIY projects. Um, I really love the the theme of the holidays around like just cheer and decoration, if you will. Um, my holidays don't really center around one specific idea or belief, if you will. Um, I'm more of a, this is a happy time of year and I'm gonna try to be happy by creating things. For Thanksgiving this year, I got a turkey from work. Um, so like they give turkeys every year um, to to the people that are still hired by them. Um, they had a lot of layoffs recently, but luckily I was not one of them. So I got a turkey this year from work and I looked up a recipe online on how to bake it. And then I got the ingredients from the store and then I baked it and then I ate it. And um, that was my Thanksgiving. Honestly, I don't think I'm really gonna be doing anything for Christmas. I think, um, it's just going to be like another day of the week for me because uh, I don't, I'm, I live alone. I'm not going out to anyone's house to celebrate. Um, so it's just, this year is weird because normally if I, you know, if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, then I could go to like my chosen family's home and, you know, spend time with them and go hang out with them and not be alone. But I think just for safety's sake, uh, being alone is like, the best thing that that I can do uh, this this Christmas and this Thanksgiving. Terry, what about you? Yeah, for for myself for Thanksgiving, I actually had a social distanced Thanksgiving with uh, one of my former caseworkers, um, which was actually like really cool. Uh, we connected recently in the the last year or so. Um, And that was really awesome to kind of like rekindle that relationship. Uh, For Christmas, I don't really know what I'm going to be doing yet. Um, I I kind of, similarly to Tristan, I probably won't really do much. Um, I do know that my like fictive kin extended family, um, we do like a gift exchange where all the adults will like draw each other's names and um, then we get each other a gift. Um, but I don't know that we're actually going to meet this year. Um, and I, it is because of the pandemic. We have a lot of high-risk uh, individuals in in my fictive like kin family. And so it'll probably be just another day. Um, I'll snuggle up with my dog and <laughs> just watch movies. And maybe since I just bought a new home, maybe I'll light a fire and watch Christmas movies or something. That sounds cheerful. Yeah, sheer. I'm curious, how do you celebrate the holidays? You know, I think something that I heard from everyone so far is that this year is going to be a little different. You know, for me, I'm thinking, well, how can I still be cheerful? And I've already started getting into a holiday spirit. Um, Typically, the holidays come and go, and I am a late starter, And the minute Christmas is over, I'm like, on to the new year. Um, But this year, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, Miss Rona came in and she's doing her thing. Um, I have been wrapping gifts and spending money that I probably don't have. Um, And writing cards. And um, 
making hot cocoa and baking ooey gooey cookies and recording the Polar Express and, um, you know, just doing a whole bunch of cutesy things that I haven't ever made time for before. You know, I also don't really remember the holidays being full of joy as a child. And so, especially over these last four years, experiencing chronic homelessness and housing insecurity and employment insecurity, you know, the holidays was just an afterthought. This year, I'm settling into what, you know, a little bit of stability can mean for other them like me. So that's how I'm celebrating. And I'm home with my family in Cali. And I miss New York so much. You know, family is family. Um, but I'm grateful and so happy to be home during this time. How about you, Elliot? Yeah, um, I, I don't love the holidays. I think I <laughs> have learned to grow into enjoying spending them by myself. Um, you know, I think, you know, Tristan, you mentioned it too, but it just feels better now. And that could change. I feel like I go through iterations um, where I'm going through my own healing about it. Um, and I, I posted something this year about just that I realized that this year is the first time a lot of people are experiencing what foster youth have experienced forever. Mm -hmm. But it's not just foster youth. It's Folks that are immigrants, homeless youth, um, I think of the children who are in cages, right? Like people who are separated from their families also for reasons that are out of their control. So I, I posted that really just to try and get people to think about like um, what it means is you just get to do this year differently. It doesn't have to be a total loss. You get to create a new tradition. So for me, I continually live my life on like, what are the things I thought I'd never get to do as an adult? So if I want to have cereal for dinner, right? <laughs> Something so like that's what I'm going to have for Christmas. That's what I'm going to have for Christmas. And so it's just one day. And so I treat it like a normal day. And I probably do Christmassy things around it. Like I love Mariah Carey Christmas music. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, but I, the days of I think I need time by myself just because they can feel so family centric. Um, so this year, if anything, I'm glad because there was far less uh, offers to spend time with other people's family <laughs> this year because it's not safe. So that, that I appreciate. But yeah, that's how I do the holidays. Jingle, jingle. Elliot, I think you struck a chord um and our next question that i'd also like for you to answer is how have you all found chosen family and why are chosen kin so important yeah, i mean <laughs> i'll go <laughs> um i found chosen family particularly in other foster youth and other folks connected to the foster care system. So some of those people became mentors or just became people who cared more than just their job told them to. Um, and I found family in the queer community. And so those two things together, it is sometimes funny to me how many queer foster youth I know <laughs> that I didn't think about intentionally, it just happened. Um, so I found those people by sometimes having, you know, one or two sh streams of like shared experience and everything else is different. But that being enough that like they get how I'm feeling in a holiday probably or they're more understanding. Um, and I think it's so important because those are the same people that that create my family. So not my family, not just my friends, but that kind of mashing of the two so that I know that I have my people. But I also know that my people know sometimes I need some space. <laughs> sometimes I don't want to spend the holidays with them and it's not anything about them. It's just how I do it. And so I think... For me, that's why it's really important. What about you, Timber? So in college, I was a part of a group um, that was Foster Care Alumni of America, the Oklahoma chapter. And every holiday season, we have a Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner. Um, and so for one year, um, someone that is now my, my sister um, slash mother <laughs> um, 
is someone that came and picked me up to go to the dinner. And it really meant a lot at that time because in total, they drove six hours, um, four more hours than what they would have to make sure that I had a holiday experience um, to make sure that I felt supported. And even after that, um, that turned into that being a relationship that I have today, um, them being a consistent connection in my life. Um, And so I have found my chosen family primarily through this group. Um, And it's been important to me um, because it's given me a reason to look forward to the holidays. Um, Prior to, I've kind of just like kind of skilled glazed over the holidays. My experience hasn't always been um, joyful, if you will. Um, And so I didn't have much to look forward to, but having Ken, um, having, being able to choose um, these people um, and having them choose me as well, um, gives me something to look forward to. Yeah, I think having um, people that we get to pick to be around to spend what could potentially be not our favorite time of year or a challenging time of year is really important. And I think if there's any combination of folks who know how to like choose family, it's like LGBTQ folks and foster youth who have a different value on what community and family is because they've likely lost a lot of it or felt rejection. So I think um, I I love to hear folks who have found that place for themselves because um, I I know and I think we know that that can be hard to find the right space or it doesn't feel weird. um, It doesn't feel forced. It just feels easy. um, Mm -hmm. And So I'm really glad that you found that. Thank you. What about you, Terry? So I would say kind of some ways that I have found chosen family is honestly from my time in the foster care system, um, I am still super close to a lot of caseworkers and and share exciting news and, and life life changes with some of my caseworkers over over the years and also a lot of friends that I became close with after I entered care in high school um, they really are are my family and, and I reach out to them I think that it's chosen family is extremely important and it, it's interesting that um, Elliot that you mentioned like, finding fam or family in like the like the queer community because for me it was actually kind of the opposite like I and I think a lot of it had to has to do with kind of my geographical location and and growing up and being in Idaho and I didn't really have that that sense of community I do now um as I'm older but uh that's something that I kind of wish that I had had but anyways I think that like chosen family is extremely important because if you don't have a traditional which isn't even traditional but because society says it's traditional it's traditional if you don't have a traditional family then what are you going to do during these times and it's it's almost even it cuts even deeper because you don't have this group of people to help so and to be there and to share these memories and these experiences with. So that's why I think chosen chosen family is very important during the holidays. Tristan. So I met uh, my chosen family by like my involvement in my local gay and lesbian community center. Um, I mean, it's a community center for like trans people. It's a community center for, for anyone under the alphabet umbrella. Um, but it, it's, it's like, um, you know, part of that that string of centers that are, you know, under that label. Uh, but while I was in care, I was going to this community center and uh, going to support groups there and like meeting people. And um, one person that I met, her name is Abby. She's like my best friend. I've been friends with her for six or seven years and uh her family treats me as one of their own like all of her siblings know me her dad knows me um they have me over for thanksgiving uh you know they would have me over at any other uh, other time uh not in the middle of the pandemic but um that's like one of my ride or dies 
And, uh, and I just happened to meet her by going to this community center and being involved with like the youth program there. Um, and then the other like uh, handful of chosen family are all staff members or former staff members of this community center. Um, like uh, Michael, who used to be the CEO was, uh, he lives right down the street from me. And um, he has been there like for so many of my changing points in life. Um, and I, I, gen I lived with him for like a year um, after I moved out from living with my biological mom, where our living situation was not very good. And I, I came to him and I was like, I'm either going to a homeless shelter or, uh, you know, I, I got a couch surf. So like, these are my two options right now. What, where can I go? That's a safe homeless shelter to go to. And he was like, Oh, just come, come stay with us. Let me talk it over with, with, uh, at the time his, uh, his partner. Now they're married. Um, so that's, that's like how a majority of my, my chosen family, um, was, is involved in my life. Now I have biological family that, uh, reached out to me after I turned 18 and, um, I've been getting to know them over the years and I'm actually moving to Minnesota from Las Vegas so that I can be closer to them. I'm moving in March of, uh, of 2021. So that'll be very, very interesting because Las Vegas and Minnesota are like two completely different environments and I'm not used to snow. I don't know how to drive in snow. I don't know anything about snow. So it's going to be very fun. We got to get you a car. I have, I have winter gear. It's all at my grandma's house. It's all over there. So I, I have all the winter gear I need. Wow. Tristan, first and foremost, Terry, I want to know what your puppy's um, like connection to Chosen Family and like Plantsville holidays. Maybe on behalf of the exchange, we can send a bone or something. Um, but Tristan, wow, that's a big, that's big news. Oh, yeah. um, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? And um, will your advocacy work continue on? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to continue. Um, I don't think like my location will, will have an effect on it too much. Um, it's, it's a big move. The, the only thing that I'm really like worried about is moving my cats across country. Cause like, I don't really know how to do that. Um, I don't want to like put them on a plane or anything. I also don't want to like take them on like an 18 hour drive with a U-Haul. So I, I don't know the best way to do that yet. So that's my, my biggest concern. Other than that, like I'm decided and my grandma is, is thrilled. My sister lives out there too. Um, so she's really, really excited about that. She's really like one of the only um, siblings that I have that's accepting of my trans identity. Um, so that's, I'm just so happy and excited to like be closer to, to my birth family. Um, just because it's, it's new and um, they love me unconditionally. Tristan, can you share a glimpse of what the holidays are like for foster youth and how can everyday people make the holidays more cheerful for young people in foster care? Um, I... I will share my experience because I, I was um, in care like for one, uh, well, for Thanksgiving and also for Christmas. I wasn't in care for that long, but while I was in care, um, the weird thing to me was like, uh, it, there was this like tension between um, the, the biological kids that were in the home versus the foster kids. There was a tension of like, oh, how much do you spend on gifts? Uh, do you get gifts for these foster youth that are in your home? You don't want them to feel excluded compared to the biological kids. Do you get the biological less gift? That was like a, a, a point of contention in the home. And I think that experience is probably shared with a lot of other foster youth in foster homes that were similar to mine. Um, the other thing is uh, the agencies will like do holiday events and they just kind of feel very corporate-y. There's not like a holiday feel to them. I personally didn't experience like warmth 
or joy from these like agency events that were going on. They just felt really awkward and forced. Um, that's my opinion. Uh, so I, I think a lot of Austria youth um, don't necessarily like uh, the holidays. For me personally, uh, when I was not in foster care and when I was with um, you know, my, my mom growing up, holidays were always super stressful because they were uh, points of financial downturns because they would spend excessively. And, um, you know, my mom didn't really have a good control over her finances. Uh, she was in and out of jobs uh, and, you know, jobs always like to, to do layoffs during the holidays as well, which is really fun. So it's like the holidays growing up were super stressful. The holiday in foster care was was nice because it was boring compared to the the can I say this the shit show that was my my holidays uh, growing up. Um, so I'm sure a lot of foster youth feel the same way that I do. <laughs> Just resonating a lot with what um, you had shared, Tristan, from celebrating the holidays as a foster youth feeling very corporate to. Um, financial downturns and the shit show of life as we live it. Um, and yes, I remember in our first episode, Dominique Morgan um, said, if the Walt Disney Company can say ass on ABC, I can say ass here. And we used that clip. So shit show, shit show, shit show. Thank you. <laughs> I, I feel so bad about that. <laughs> Thanks. Welcome to the holidays, everyone. <laughs> I'm going to start this episode. <laughs> yeah. Terry, can you share a day in the life of a caseworker and how caseworkers could spread holiday cheer? Yes. So, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the way to answer this because I'm, so I'm a safety assessor. And so my, what my job looks like is a little different than like what a case manager's job is. However, we both share cases and when children come into care there, it's transferred over to case management. So a day in the life of a caseworker consists of getting nonstop phone calls from families, um, from foster parents, from foster youth. Uh, trying to coordinate support uh, when there is a disruption or a movement of foster youth or uh, if a, a child is on an extended home visit where they're trying to reunify with the parent and it's, it's there's no there's no way that I could possibly like fully I think express or share a day in the life of a caseworker because there's it's so it's so much and I think that it's safe to say that there's never enough funding mm -hmm. to do like the job that needs to be done there's never enough funding for it so a lot of people that are caseworkers have to make do with with the resources that are available so um, I'll kind of leave leave it at that but in ways that caseworkers that in my opinion that caseworkers can spread holiday cheer is being mindful um in so many so many senses like not stereotyping what the holidays look like for one youth versus another youth or actually asking youth what the holidays mean to them because i think similarly to like birthdays not everyone is like loves or is into the holidays like the masses i think that another thing that they can do to spread cheer is get to know the youth like that like granted like that happens it's kind of like natural it's organic over time if you're a good caseworker then yes like you're gonna develop these relationships but finding little things and then maybe uh because a lot of agencies and a lot of organizations do things um so finding just like the a little detail that maybe a youth would not remember that they told you and like surprising them with that or bringing something up i think that those 
are things that maybe don't cost a lot, but they mean the world to people that are in, to youth that are in care because they're like, oh, you were listening. Like mm -hmm. you were listening when I, when I told you that because all too often I feel that youth in care, they just feel like they're being shuffled um, and they, they feel powerless because they don't feel like they're being listened to. So those are just some things that I think that a caseworker can be supportive and, and spread holiday cheer, but I never, I never understood, I, like I understood, but I never knew what I was getting myself into. It is, <laughs> and I, I, it's rewarding work. Don't get me wrong. I love my job, but there, I don't think there's anything that can prepare anyone for, um, yeah, what it is, what the job description entails. <laughs> yeah. How can we all, everyday people, corporate allies, organizations, and media storytellers support LGBTQ incarcerated young people during the holiday season? So I think this is a great question. Um, I think that we as a collective can support LGBTQ plus youth throughout the holidays um, and LGBTQ plus youth that are incarcerated specifically first by listening. Um, we need to listen to the community to understand what are the concerns, what are the experiences, and where is our entry to, to being an ally in their fight. Um, second, I think that we um, as a collective and we who have um, maybe more power to do so should connect LGBTQ plus incarcerated youth with community and community-based supports. Um, in my work this year alone, many of the youth that I work with, some of the feedback that I've received is that I feel alone. Um, is there anyone else that's like me? Um, how do I find community like me when I don't have access to the internet? So again, we're going back to these, there are a lot of barriers that exist to, uh, to incarcerated LGBTQ plus youth even interacting with community, with community that affirms them, with community that accepts them, with community that validates them. So as much as we can create those connections, whether they be virtually or physically, we need to make that happen. Another way that we can support LGBTQ plus incarcerated youth throughout the holidays is supporting initiatives working to end youth incarceration and issues that cause youth to be incarcerated, such as poverty, um, such as youth homelessness. Organizations that are doing some of this work is No Kids in Prison. No Kids in Prison is an initiative, is a national initiative working to end youth incarceration and, and invest in community-based supports um, and practices. Another organization that we can support is the Sentencing Project. The Sentencing Project works for a fair and effective U.S. criminal justice system by producing groundbreaking research to promote reforms in sentencing policy, address unjust racial disparities and practices, and to advocate for alternatives to incarceration. It's really important that we support these types of initiatives because ultimately we want to prevent youth incarceration, not just provide services for youth that are incarcerated. And so to do that, we must educate ourselves on who is doing the work and how do we, how do we join in on that work. And finally, another way that we can support LGBTQ plus incarcerated youth throughout the holidays is working to support them beyond the holidays. One way that we do that is understanding how does the issues impacting LGBTQ plus incarcerated youth intersect with the work that we do every day. Once we understand where that intersection is, where these issues may arise, where these youth are located within our work, then we have our entry to being an ally in their fight for change. When it comes to supporting LGBTQ incarcerated youth, mm -hmm. um, I know people want to know what to do, but are there barriers to doing that? I mean, frankly, it's my field through policy and through literature, not through direct support. Direct support-wise, we support youth that are in care. Sometimes they have they deal with juvenile justice, but most often they are um, just child welfare cases. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have opportunity to support many incarcerated youth because of the policies and the regulations around it. And so it really makes it hard to say, like, oh, this is what all we can do to support these youth, when in actuality I kind of feel helpless no. in that regard. Yes. That I think I think sharing that can be good too. Um, so 
Absolutely. Um, there are a lot of barriers, especially now with like a pandemic happening. Um, there are a lot of restrictions with with um, communication, with relationships they're allowed to have, even youth that are within these placements, depending on the level of placement or where they are. Um, they can be in a high level facility. They can be most often um, in some way experiencing isolation or it's really hard to get support too. LGBTQ plus youth that are incarcerated because of the um, biases that exist and that are upheld by the system. So it sounds like some of the some of the ways to even support LGBTQ youth that are incarcerated isn't just um, what we might think of as like how do we get them gifts or make it feel normal when in a situation that just shouldn't feel normalized. Mm-hmm. The work that we can do is also maybe around like policy change or advocacy or um education because of the fact that there are biases that are impacting these young people um and it's not a very it's not a very human system it's not a humane system mm-hmm. holidays and celebrating the holidays probably feels very like um <laughs> cognitive dissonance like celebrating something that's about being with your families or with your people mm-hmm. um caged as a human being yeah. I think that as someone who has experienced the system and as someone who now works um, kind of as like a third party support to people working within the system, if you will, um, I find it really challenging um, emotionally and while doing the work to, I don't know, um, to, I guess, be excited or during these times, because most often we want to support youth at large, um, but there aren't many things that, let's say we are supporting LGBTQ plus youth or youth that are incarcerated. And I just feel like we can do more. It's an interesting topic. And it's one of those, like, for me, like folks definitely want a lot of hope and happiness in the holidays. Mm -hmm. Balance the reality that like, yes, and not everyone gets that. Like that's right. Just, whether they choose to not have that, whether that's the fact that like you just can't get that hill of sadness is kind of insurmountable, mm-hmm. and the reality of like, yeah, when you're in a system and it's the holiday times, does it feel like it matters? Um, does it feel like you can celebrate? You know, so mm-hmm. this is just a it's a tough topic, but I think that's why I'm glad we're we're having this episode because it's the, and there's something I'm working on outside of this that's really related to like, you know, holidays are not always like shiny happiness and there's a reason why. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. How you feeling, Elliot? Are you ready? Nice. Wrap us up. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Season one is coming to an end. Before we go, here's a thought. Can you all share a reflection of this year and a hope for the new year to come? A reflection for myself um, on the year is that I have been doubting myself. Um, And I think I've known this. um, And I think that I've been working to address it. But even within working to address it, I've still been doubting my my work to address it. Um, And so in this new year, um, I really want to leave the doubt out of it. Um, I want to trust my intuition. I want to trust my creativity. Um, I want to trust my choices. And I want to um, blossom. You know, I think every year, um, whether that be surrounding the new year or just um, any time of the year, um, I've been continually growing. And so I think a reflection is understanding how can I continue to do that? Oh, it's funny because I, I actually had a moment yesterday. Um, 2020 has motivated me to return to therapy. I have not been in therapy in well over a decade. And I was actually talking with my therapist yesterday and she had to put into perspective because 
granted it's 2020 and we never in a million years could have ever foreshadowed what this year looked like right and i think when i reflect back on it she kind of had to put it into perspective like yeah it's been a shit show tristan it's been a shit show 110 percent but then she's like but you have to think about all of these things that you have still accomplished in this shit show like being a first generation college graduate i graduated with my bachelor's um doing this exchange stuff that we have been doing and been working on for over or about a year um starting a new job in child welfare which is oh my gosh whoa and buying a home like i've been hyper focusing on all of the negative things which i think has been super easy to do this year but when i take a step back and look at like what I've what I've accomplished through all of this, I'm like, I need to give myself some credit. And so when I look forward to next year, my goal is to continue the momentum and still be effective and still be an advocate and still, I wanna do more than I did this year. And I'm like, is that even humanly possible? I don't know, but I wanna do it in passion, not just because I'm supposed to be going through the motions. So that's kind of like in a nutshell, my my overview and reflection and expectations of myself for next year. That gave me a lot to work with. Um, yeah, no, that it really did. It gave me a lot to work with. Uh, I always thought I've been working at my job for like three years. Um, and I always thought, Oh, if I lose my job or if anything happens to my job, I have no idea what I'm going to do because my job is pretty much, like my only, you know, way of income, my only way to pay for things. The only way that I can live in this apartment is my job. Um, and so I put everything that I could into it and to have it taken away by circumstances that were completely out of my control was like having the rug pulled out from under you. Like you think you're in a stable spot and then all of a sudden you're not. Um, so that's been my year. That's that's the majority of where my focus has been this year is like, how do I recuperate from this this huge loss um, in my life, even though I did not like my job? <laughs> um, I mean, it's a customer service job. Everyone can tell you customer service jobs are, you know, the worst soul-sucking jobs that you can do, but it paid well. It paid my bills. I had health insurance. Um, you know, it, it provided a lot of things that were uh, able to help me tolerate how shitty it was. Um, now I have like, now that I've been out of work for like a couple of months now, and I've had time to to look at my mental health and um, like take care of myself a lot better than I was before. Um, now I'm like really optimistic for 2021 and what what um, the the jobs that I will do in the future look like because. I have passions outside of listening to people complain and um, and I have aspirations outside of that that I can actually like take the time needed to focus on when I'm not working eight hours a day for five days a week and then weekends just feel like you're catching up on sleep because you can't sleep because there's so much stress around you all the time and you're stressed because of jobs, you're stressed because of uh, your, your experience during the day. It's like all of that is gone now. And now I actually have time to um, look at jobs that I want to do instead of jobs that I have to do because they're the only jobs that I have experience in. So that's the big part of uh, how my year's gone and how I think 2021 is going to go. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear about your job, Tristan, but to hear that there's hope on the horizon and that there's a lot to look forward to. Terry, wow. I feel you. I also re-engaged in therapy this year, and that has been such a rewarding and affirming process, um, very revealing and grounding. I think for me, this year has um, really revealed a lot of unhealed trauma and um, has manifested a period of growth that I welcomed, am welcoming to continue. I actually have meditated for nearly 300 days consecutively 
Um, and so, you know, this year has has really been centered in grounding myself and meeting myself where I'm at. I think the biggest learning experience or reflection is, to your point, Tristan, I need to find where my passion lies, what gives me joy. And the exchange for change has been um, a North Star this year. Um, there have been some growing pains, um, but it we are growing collectively. And there is so much potential in the work that we are all doing collaboratively together and in our own individual lives that give me hope, that inspire me, that motivate me, that remind me of the purpose. These exchanges are exchange experiences. Um, all that is to come reminds me of why we're doing this work. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to in 2021. Um, pouring into myself as much as I pour into my labor. Um, I want to eat my own fruit. I, I you know, th this fruit has got to be ripe. Um, so I am going to do my best to hold on, ride the waves, um, shelter from the storms, and see the sunrise a new day. Elliot, what's what's coming up for you? What are you looking forward to? I think for the this past year, I have appreciated that it made me slow down um, because I think pre-COVID, I, I did all the things. And I think I'm busy again, but it feels different. Um, and that could be because there isn't all the like social pools um, to like, do a million things on the workday and then when the workday is over then I want to go be social with a million other people and then I'm like why am I so tired and why am I sick all the time uh this this year I feel like I've been sick like maybe once um so thanks COVID <laughs> not everybody <laughs> can say that <laughs> exactly exactly um so I think like that was an interesting flip but I this year has taught me that I don't want to spend my whole life so focused on my career or what I'm headed towards that, uh, you know, the journey is lost. Like I want to enjoy things along the way. So I enjoyed that I had to spend a lot more time outside. I got to, you know, really just enjoy parks and just outdoors. Um, and a lot of things didn't cost money because they were outdoors. So I feel like I thought about money a little bit differently, but I, I just, um, I stopped putting so much of my value into my work and I'm trying to hold on to that. And I really want to hold on to that into 2021 because I think in the world we live in, it's really easy to say how good this is or how much of this is directly related to how much I, how good I am or how much I should be loved. And I don't want to do that as much as I can um, because it's really easy, I think, to fall into that trap. And some of that feels related to um, foster care of like trying to do enough or not get in trouble or do the right things so that people will love you or accept you or whatever and for queer youth um, so that is something I feel like I learned this year and I want to absolutely take with me into 2021 and beyond um, because I think life can be a lot richer that way instead of worrying about what am I going to do for my next job or what am I going to become am I doing the right things mm. now so Wow. Well, that does it for season one. We shall see you in the new year for season two of Exchanges, the podcast. Be well and take care, change makers. Thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Bye, y'all. Great. Take care. <laughs> That's great. I feel like we've got something. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the joke's on you. Here are some fun bloopers from this exchange. Yay! It is not. It is all the damn... Dude, I've been putting out so much recently. <laughs> I've been eating my feelings. Yeah, I've been eating my feelings. I'm like, hello, <laughs> definitely gotta be a blooper. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> I've actually it. grown into like my Corona curves, Miss Corona curves. Oh wow. <laughs> Can I? I'm I'm intrigued. Why why a cup of coffee at five o'clock? No, it's probably me. I I am not tech savvy, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, Timber is a ooh. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was gonna knock something over, and she didn't. And I was I was looking at her very sternly. She was not making eye contact. She knew that she was not supposed to be on the counter, and I was so scared. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Bam. Wow. So hard. <laughs> also, oh my God, my dog. Oh, it's okay. Can you guys hear me? Oh my God, I don't know. Do I just this is my casual face. Yeah, really Do you like, because my hand's on my face, so you can tell it's very casual. And I get the keys and I open the house and it's like 45 degrees in my house. <laughs> no. So I'm like, I just, what did I just do? Is this homeownership? <laughs> no, it's okay too. If you said your piece, you said your piece. You said what you said. Wait, so you'll hear me when I take a sip of my White Claw or like... <laughs> you can find out. I know White Claw. Sure. Something I feel like I could hear sheer swallow. That's great. <laughs> That's really know, good. The like I don't know what it was. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I feel like I'm twelve and wondering why people think I'm an adult. <laughs> like, yeah, same. <laughs> Thank you, because I did not want to try to yeah. say all that again. <laughs> yeah, right there, you're good. So I couldn't hear anything you just said. It was all choppy. <laughs> Let me, I'll text you, hold on.